welcome to the unpublished podcast. My name is Amy. And I am a robot. I am a robot. <laughs> I was expecting that. Because we're doing we're doing ChatGPT. Doing a ChatGPT episode. And ChatGPT is our guest. Perfect. But before we jump in, um, a word from our sponsor. Um, who, it's is us. that us? We're the sponsor. <laughs> we're the sponsor. Who <laughs> is the sponsor? Um, we wanted to jump in before we dive into this topic today with Chat GPT um, about the Art of Making Money course, which is open for enrollments until the Thursday, the 24th, 20- I want to say, AEDT. Okay, yeah. The Thursday after this comes out. Yeah. In Australia. Um, we have limited spaces. It's already filling up so beautifully quickly. This is a course uh, or an intensive. It's a masterclass. It runs for three hours. But if you can't make it to any of the live sessions, there's going to be two. So we hit different time zones. But if you can't make either of them, the recording is yours forever. It is about how we can monetize our art and how creatives are actually the most brilliant, brilliant business people there are. Like, I truly believe that. We need to access our, our like business brilliance through our creativity. Um, and that's what this whole three-hour intensive is going to be because you deserve to make money. Uh, you deserve to be paid for the creations you put out in this world. And this year, that's all I want to focus on, honestly. Like, I just want to see creators making bank. That was really good. Do you do that without a script? Yeah, of course I did. Wow, you didn't memorize that? I know. Are you joking? Are you fucking with me? I'm serious. I thought it, was, thought it was really good. Oh, thanks. No, of course I didn't write so it. So why do I write the copy for the ad page then? Because well, can... that was so good. Oh. Thanks, so good. James. My pleasure. Okay, so what is ChatGPT? ChatGPT, chat, 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 GPT, chat, GPT. P? Is it a P? Oh. Yeah. What did you think it was? B. B. I don't even know what GPT stands for. Great Graphical Processing programming Trauma. Times. Maybe is a artificial intelligence program that is very good at natural human language. Um, basically, I mean, I don't actually know what the technicalities of it are. If you haven't heard of it, I'm surprised to start but, with. But like, I don't fully understand what it is. I've still heard of it. It's basically, they have trained uh, an algorithm on a model of vast amounts of data from human writing and speaking and made it basically produce really authentic writing, yeah. human writing. It and is- you can now, it's, pub- it's free to use at the moment. I don't know if it will be forever. But you can basically just start an account and you can just ask it questions and it will answer it based on models that it's been trained on from the whole internet or, or not just internet, but human words. Human beings. Which means that the interesting thing is that if you ask ChatGPT a question, its answer is going to be some kind of conglomerate of all of human knowledge. Yeah, that is interesting. So it's like you're going to get the median, you're going to get all the, the average of... It's funny Peter's because it's like artificial intelligence, but you're almost getting like the most human answer ever. Yeah, because it's just, it's making a blob of human answers. Yeah, I mean, that's really a very, obviously a vast oversimplification of what happens. They probably weight the algorithm in certain ways and they probably train it to do certain, I mean, they do train it to do certain things over others. For example, it doesn't really, it doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be mean. I asked it earlier, I produced, I prepared a few things to ask it. I asked it five reasons the world doesn't need artists. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> don't a, be a dick as an ai language model i don't have personal opinions but i can provide some reasons why some people might argue that the world doesn't need artists so it's saying not my opinion but 
I have some heard, dicks on the internet. Said on this. the internet, I have heard some people have said some stuff. It's really interesting. Mm. So anyway, we've used um, this artificial artificial intelligence um, to ask us questions today for this podcast. And to clarify, this thing isn't thinking; it's just parroting back words that are based on data it's been trained on. To be clear, thank you. In case anyone was wondering if it was conscious or not. Thank this you. could be a completely ignorant thing to say. Maybe it is conscious and maybe in, like, right in 10 years' like, time someone's going to be like, that James Weinstock guy is a literal machine fascist. <laughs> so be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the format's going to be that we, I've asked chat, chat, chat fuck, why is it so hard to say? Chat GPT some questions. I'm just going to call it the bot from yeah, now great. on. I've asked the bot some questions and about creativity and we're going to tell you what it says and we're going to either respond if it's a statement that it's made or we're going to answer its questions that it's asked us. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Okay, so one of the most recent ones I asked is, what are 10 surprising questions to ask a creative in an interview? So here we are. So the bot is going to interview us now. Great. So question one, how do you deal with negative criticism of your work and how do you stay motivated to continue creating? I think there are a lot. First of all, thank you so much, bot, for this incredibly interesting question. You are so smart. Wow. I think there's a lot of different ways to receive negative criticism, and I've found that I'm much more able to, to handle negative criticism. Oh, you're in taking this ways. completely seriously. Oh, I thought we were going to have that's a that's a serious <laughs> I'm thing. Yeah, I know, I know. My God, I'm so sorry. It was a really good train of thought as well, and I ruined it. I receive negative feedback in certain ways quite well, and then in other ways, like it will destroy me. I'm a very sensitive person, um, but I find like I've had a few like Goodreads review that reviews that people just didn't like my book, and I'm very happy to sit in that because like I just understand that like people won't like my book, not everyone will, and it doesn't mean it's a bad book. Like I really don't like exceptional novels that people have fallen in love with and it's changed their lives. Like I just don't mind that subjectivity kind of thing, um, but when it comes to like. Uh, like slightly trolley comments on my Instagram or people attacking kind of me as the artist. It's really, really hard for me to deal with. And it can be super demotivating and uh, bring my energy levels you know, really low. And it can take me just time to kind of move through that. That's the fucking shit thing about trolls is that what they do works. Yeah, it is. And it's sucky. There are, there's just these energy vampires out there in the world who want to go around there basically just stealing motivation from people and mm. being a dick. And their methods are so easy to employ because all they have to do is go in and write one sentence being like, you are shit. And it works immediately. And it's like, it's so hard. The amount of effort it takes to counteract a troll is maybe 100x what it tossed that troll to do what they had to do. Yeah. The other day, like, it's so stupid. And like, I know it's so stupid. Like, these people aren't either not well or they're very unhappy or like something's not okay. And I need to sit in that. But it is hard. I've been talking so much about money because we have this money intensive coming up and it's been really a huge vulnerability hangover because I just feel like it's such a sensitive topic and people can feel very emotionally triggered by talking about money particularly money and artists there's a lot of baggage there and this one person after I wrote about how it is possible for us to make you know money as creatives and it's getting more and more possible they were like <laughs> why it's disgusting that you're spending time talking about this and trying to make money from your art when you have the FDA to burn down and all these people like dying, blah, blah, blah. Like, how could you focus on making money with your art when the world is like dying? And like, it just bummed me out for like several hours. And I was like, Fuck. even though it's like, what? It didn't even make any sense. It didn't. It, and like, they were a nonsense person and they had no coherent thought, but it was just, 
I think anytime, and what about ism is a really easy thing to throw at people. Like, why are you doing this when this is happening? You know, why are you doing yes, this issue when this so issue is happening? It's so horrible. And it's, first of all, it's super pessimistic because it's saying that we can only, as, as a whole society, we can only focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. And that everyone's resources are best used focusing on one issue at a time. When in reality, of course, some things do need more attention from us. But I think at the expense of all the other good things in the world. So it's like, what are we going to fix one thing and get rid of everything else? Yeah. And I think it also is so um, painful because it hits at a very real pain point for artists, which is like, oh, I'm so indulgent for wanting to, to make art. Oh my God, I'm even more indulgent for wanting to make art and money. And then someone slides in and says, you know, well, yeah, you are. And you should be focusing on the real pain in the world. And it just like, there's a wound there for a lot of artists and they're certainly there for me. And it touched upon it. And it took me time to just be hurt by that, honestly. I think sometimes where it's okay to be hurt. It is for sure. I'm really interested to know if these 10 questions that the bot has asked us, if they've ranked them by anything, like is the first one, is that negativity one, Is that was that the easiest one for it to call upon? Was that the one that it had the most data on? Is this the thing that creatives are most worried about? Because that would be really interesting because I think it is a huge worry for a huge number oh my of creatives. God, yeah. And it's a genuine worry because it sucks. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the most common things I get when I ask people, what are you afraid of, of being successful? People are afraid of being canceled. People are afraid of being trolled. Um, because it's a very real and violent thing to have happen to you. Um, and I just, yeah, I want to acknowledge that it, it can be really hard to navigate. It is navigatable. Mm. Um, and I feel fine now. I feel great now. Like, you know, but I needed to move through some of my little owies time and like a little bit of sadness for the wild time. Like, and I had to sit with a wound that had been slightly reopened again by some random fucking dick. Some dick. Some dick. Do you want to answer the question or do you want to do, should we do one-on-one otherwise? Because I feel this, like this I is going to go for a long time. in some way. Yeah, you contributed, baby. Just thought like okay. personally. No, next. Okay, great. Can you describe a time when you took a creative risk that paid off? How did you feel during the process? Wow, bot. Such big questions. Can I just say, it's interesting that I asked the bot 10 surprising questions because I also asked the bot 10 regular questions. I didn't say surprising. And, and they were way worse. Oh, interesting. Someone was saying the other day that you could you could ask it to tell you a joke and it and then it would tell a joke and then you could tell it to make a funnier version of the joke and it would keep make, and you could keep saying that and it would actually get funnier. Isn't I mean, that crazy? It's wild. You're way more into the fact that a bot's interviewing us than actually I'm, doing the that's questions. What the, that's what I thought this episode was. I'm sorry. I thought we it was more like a ideas. meta. I thought, I mean, it's interesting to answer the bot's question. But also think the meta-analysis is interesting too. Of course. And I don't even know if we're going to get to the ethics of it because that's also really interesting. I mean, there's been huge conversations around like AI art and like, you know. Because this, the questions it's asking is obviously stealing the work of journalists. Yeah. So it's obviously scraped. It's probably read thousands and thousands of interviews with creative people and it's scraped surprising questions. Fuck. Well, I don't know how it's surprising or not. How does it know it's surprising? I don't the, know. The responder says, oh, that's, that's a surprising, surprising question. Oh my gosh. Wow. Maybe it's like ranking them by how often they occur and then like ah, giving yeah, us yeah, the bottom yeah. ones yeah, or something. Yeah. I have no idea how it would work. You know what? The people who made it probably don't know either. Okay. I'll answer that question. Um, I was, the thing that jumps to mind immediately for me is whenever we've given stuff away for free. Mm. I know it's not really a creative risk, but... It is a business risk. The business risk. And business is creativity. Maybe that's no, a bad I like choice. It. Do you it. think it's good? I think, for example, when we decided to make the journaling compendium free, that was a really big money spinner for us. Like we made the journaling compendium made all our initial sales. It basically allowed Amy to scale back coaching and go more into writing mm. more full time. And it was actually what came first coaching no journaling compendium came after coaching right mm. yeah so that was like our baby it was our 
initial project. It was something that we really believed in and that we, and then we made it free and we made it a goodie if you sign up to Amy's email list. And that still seemed, true. yeah, still true. And that made it scare. That seemed scary at the time. Well, yeah, it was losing a huge stream of income. Yeah. Well, not a huge stream. It was one of our only streams of income. Yes. And we did wait. Like, I'm not saying you should just make something that's working for you immediately free. Like we waited till we had other things yeah. ready to go. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. It paid off, I think. We got- and also, like, look at like we have our financial hardship policies as well, which are risks business-wise. Mm. Well, um, we know if you can't afford it talk to us and let's make it work for you and again like i think these are risks that seriously pay off and we get to have um you know so many more connections and uh, serve the community the in a whole new way the more if you focus on the negative things you can think oh well what if someone exploits it what if someone who could afford it goes for the financial hardship policy what if someone um takes advantage of you in some way and and that, that i think is a more natural because i think it's some kind of loss aversion or some kind of negativity mm-hmm. bias but i think as if we can lean into the positive side of most people probably aren't going to exploit you. Most people are probably going to be genuine. Mm. It's going to just, you know, a few bad actors aren't going to ruin everything for you. No. Um, and it's the more generous you can be. I, I honestly believe that generosity always comes back. Oh yeah, me too. Always I hundred percent agree. And like, this is at the heart of what we are doing. Like is, as I want it to be generosity and I want it to be m- making sure that artists get the support they need. And so it aligns perfectly with what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, what do you think is the role of art in society and how do you believe your work contributes to this role? Is it my turn? I think so. Oh my God, it's a big... I'm surprised. I'm surprised by this question. It's a surprising (laughs) question from the bot. You know, I think art's purpose is to connect, but there's so many different ways in which it can. So like, it's very hard to like distill that down into a single sentence. Like art is here to... What would you say? Well, we're storytelling beings that, and every yeah. piece of art is, is a story and we can't make sense, sense of anything in our society without stories. We need stories as a, as a framework for anything we do. Like, why mm. are you building that house? Because mm. I have a story that I want shelter. I have a story that I want somebody to feel safe. I have a story that um, this house is going to provide me with uh, a space to either, you know, raise a family or mm. a space to um, develop my interests so you know there are lots of stories around something that seems very practical Mm. and where do those stories come from the stories come from art usually it's really interesting i like the idea that art is here to tell stories to make sense of the world really to make make sense of the art is here to make for us to make sense of the world Mm, i think so i think so and if you look at so many of our older stories like our myths for example they're just essentially ways for us to try and make sense of society and try Mm. and um, i mean they're morality essentially they're trying they're trying to encode morality into us in some way or um, trying to encode. How does that vase tell a story? Which vase? <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? But that one. Sorry, it tells a story of what kind of person you want to be. Oh, okay, kind of, yeah, yeah. You know how you saying. want your your home to look. It tells yeah. a story of um, what kind of materials do you want to use yeah, to yeah. construct your society. Um, it tells. Yeah, it tells a load of stories. You know, it's a certain shape, so it tells a story about what sort of flowers you like and lines and, and lines visual and stuff. When you yeah. engage, when you buy a vase, you're Choosing to be a certain person. Oh my God. Engaging a story. Oh my God. It's a true story. Story. <laughs> right. How do you balance the need to make a living with the desire to create meaningful work? And have you ever had to compromise your artistic vision for financial reasons? Wow. But. But. Stop I it. I am someone. And like, I really, really appreciate that. I think I'm very, I'm, I'm definitely unique 
well of course I'm unique there are definitely people like me but I, I find that I meet more people who are not like me in this sense I don't have a huge grip on my art and I'm always I feel very flexible within it like I don't have like um a rigidity about what I'm creating and if I can see that something would be a financially a bit more beneficial that steers away from what I was initially thinking I just don't have a lot of problems with that like it doesn't hurt something in my heart I mean maybe if it was like completely wrenching out the heart of the story I'd be pissed but like in in your fiction have you ever thought oh you know it'd be more marketable if this character was like this like, yeah. can you give any examples of that okay um let me have a think I mean, you. I know sex sells, right? And I love to write a sex. I mean, yeah, I, you I like love, it as well. I do like to write sex, obviously. Um, you know, like I knew with um, my first book, Elizabeth, the rules upheld by no one, that um, if it was bought and because it was, you know, in acquisitions at a publishing house at one stage, like they had mentioned that they wanted it to be significantly longer. And um, like I didn't want it to be, I thought it was tight, but like I would have made it longer. Of course I would have. Mm. Um, that doesn't, it wasn't going to hurt me. Like there would always be a line, I guess, of like, them asking me to do something that I really thought was against the story's purpose. But like, I'm pretty flexible there. I just don't, ha I'm, I'm just like, I feel like I have this, I feel like I'm ethically a little ambiguous. Like I just don't have any strong morals in that kind of way. Yeah. Your light count is back. Stop it. James has been trying to count my likes. I just think we could all do with getting, me included, we could cut down on the likes. We could cut down on the likes. Well, just do you listen to anything I just said? Um, yeah, I actually did. Um, vaguely. Sorry, I was thinking a lot about the likes. I know. I um, I agree. I don't think... I don't think art has to be this pure thing, necessarily. Mm. I think we get can get really hung up on the purity of art. We get really hung up on the creator's vision. And while I think that's important, I think that rigidity in art is almost anti-art. Oh. Because... Love. Art is so flowy. Art is so... I mean, it doesn't have to be like that, I guess, but... If you want to create for financial success, I think you have to have a little bit of give and take there. Hmm. And like, you need to be okay with that. Because otherwise, like, I think if you are only creating for financial success and you can feel the joy, like being sucked out of your process because you're only thinking about the money, then like, fuck, like there's something you need to do. But I don't know. I just, I don't have a rigidity around this. Like I'm happy to, to wiggle around my art and I'm happy to make it work. James, shut the fuck up. Like, this podcast is just going to be me yelling at you if you keep up with this bullshit like counting. Okay. I'll just do it in, in private over here and I'll tell you after the podcast. Is that okay? Mm. All right, okay. next. Okay. Um, that was a really interesting discussion, actually, I think. I do think... Sorry, if I can just hang on to it for one more second. Mm. I don't... Are you even recording? I just realized that we're looking at this chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at it over here. Okay, so Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, big time. Just ramble. Sorry, everyone. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You have to listen to this. Keep going. What are you about to say? Um, I just, I do think that there, you shouldn't just give in to all financial, well, you know, if, if there's some gatekeeper telling you to do something, I don't think you should just give in to that immediately. Obviously, yeah, you like, have think to maintain about it, your own self. And, and you're the artist. So always mm. remember that. Like you are the owner, the mother, the baby, like of this little like creation that you've had. I think you're always going to be happier if you're authentic to yourself. Mm. And I think if you're chasing trends, if you're chasing the zeitgeist because you think it's going to help you financially that's not really going to be as beneficial as you think it is necessarily yeah and it can be a bit tiring that's mm. an interesting perspective like instead of like altering our art to make it more beneficial financially it's like chasing what do you think is trendy like that's hard like keeping up with trends is very tiring not something that i personally try to do at no. all 
Um, although like I'll notice a few, like I might notice trends a little bit and think about what I could create in those bounds that I would enjoy. But I, it feels exhausting. And also trying to predict trends. And they always say that because it takes so long to produce art sometimes, focusing on trends, you're probably going to miss the boat anyway by a couple boat. of years. Yeah, you have to be almost yes, accidentally yes. falling into the trend. It's like the, um, the vampire trend in literature, in books. Like yeah. you had to produce books so quickly to get on the, on the Stephanie Mayer like gravy boat because Twilight came out and then it had like its age, but it was going to die out quick and it burnt quick. Mm. And, you, and you had a few authors who managed to grab onto that. Or then, say, 15 years later, Jay Kristoff writes a vampire book that we absolutely love because it wasn't in so trend. So different, though. Mm. So different. It's so different, yeah. Okay, next question. What is the biggest misconception people have about your creative field or medium? That we write all day. Mm, that's really interesting. I think when people think of writers, they think of someone tucked away and writing all day long, whereas I write 30 minutes a day. I just, I can't believe the only writer out there, the only writers out there I can really believe write all day Brandon Sanderson and Stephen King. I think there are and some people who... And they don't even do it. They write for two... I mean, Brandon Sanderson writes in two four-hour blocks, which is heaps. Unbelievably large But then large if you think amount. about that, his primary work then is one regular working day. Yeah. And that is the most prolific writer... In the world. ...living today, basically. Maybe I know there are some ever. there are some romance writers who maybe put out more books yeah, than true, Brandon Sanderson, true. but I don't know if the word count would be bigger. Yeah. Because his books are so... Because he'll write a 400,000-word so book and half a year or something and even for him even for the guy who writes the most it's still only an eight hour day yeah and most people are just way below that yeah uh, yeah yep yep yeah 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 um yeah i think that's the biggest mix- misconception mm, interesting all right next if you could collaborate with anyone living or dead on a creative project who would it be and why that's interesting do you have anyone that pops into your mind immediately you want to write a book with cicero no, that guy would be a dick. No, I thought you loved Cicero. I love him, but his creative process, I couldn't get behind it. I really, oh, man, I, don't, I reckon we'd clash. Oh, my God, I would love to see it. It'd be interesting. Mm. For some reason, immediately, Paul Rudd jumped into my head. I'm kind of obsessed with Paul Rudd lately. Mm. I'm actually really obsessed with comedy lately, and I would love to, I don't know, I just, I have always had this, like, secret ambition of, of being a comedian in some way or another. Like, not stand-up, but, like just want to make people laugh mm. and i love paul rudd he really makes me laugh anyway that was the one that just jumped into my head don't know what we'd do together cicero is cute he did try and write poetry it was universally thought to be bad i'm pretty sure poor baby poor cicero he wrote a lot of really good stuff though so. uh any other people that jumped to your mind uh modern i would i think pierce brown would be a really fun author to collaborate yeah. with because his writing just i love it i think it's so bombastic and just big and he just says, fuck it. I'm going to throw everything exciting I can at this piece of writing. Yeah. And I just think that'd be a really amazing collaborative experience. It just would. Just thinking like one up and one up. You have to get past up. his ego there. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't even know the guy. I'm I sure know that was mean. I'm, I'm sure he's a sweetheart too. I love cool. his books. I love his books too, so... Yeah. Okay, and now that I actually thought about it, obviously I would love to col- collaborate with Amanda Palmer. I'd love to co- collaborate with Julia Cameron before she dies because she's kind of old, and I, mm. but I really want to get in there. Yeah. I would love to collaborate with Seth Godin. I would love to, you know, even just do a speaking event with Seth, like incredible. Um, nice. Yeah, they're probably my one. Oh, I would love to go on Africa Books podcast. Wink. It's going to make it happen. Wink. 
How has your personal life and experiences influenced your creative work? And can you give an example of how that manifests in your art? Well, for you, that's easy, right? Because Elizabeth was fairly autobiographical. Yes. I'm Except now a 16th century sex worker. Sorry. Obviously, I meant the themes. Yeah. Not the yeah, events. Yeah, Eliza is tied closely to my own story about sex and sexuality. And so I literally just use my own experience of growing up, you know, within religious communities and within churches um, and, you know, not being straight not and wanting sex. And like, I just like literally transposed it into um, my book art is so personal to me my books are really personal yeah well i literally had the idea for my second novel when we were driving through the burnt out ashes of this giant bushfire in the big 2019 2020 bushfires in australia and just being like the fuck is this hellscape this is crazy this is happening it was actually crazy it was crazy it was like being in literal hell it was just you're on this road and ash is just sheeting down like heavy rain and embers are everywhere you can see fires in the distance and you're just going what yeah you know the covid happened so quickly after that i feel like none of us got to process like the madness in sydney and a bushfire might have been 200 kilometers away but the air in sydney was we had ashfall in sydney and it was so thick you couldn't go out actually it would have been better if it happened after covid because we would have had masks yeah you couldn't breathe when you went out I remember just like going out for dinner like we live um on the beaches and what uh like a big bushland separates us from the rest of the city like i remember being like oh, and frodo was alive and i remember being like well what if we can't get back yeah because it kept shutting down the kept all the arterial roads up um to get anywhere else in sydney and there's such dense bush that if an ember Anything, a single ember got, got in there it was like, just oh my bam. god like i'm gonna be parted from my dog so my second book was what the, what would happen if that just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. That book is so good. Thanks. Oh, that shrug was so sad. That was so sad. I'm cute. All right. What do you think is the most overrated aspect of the creative process and what is underrated? Fuck, these questions are so Bot. good. Bot. Well done. Most overrated aspect of the creative process, I think, is coming up with ideas. Oh. I think that there um i know that you have a bit of a complex about this so i apologize no it's okay i'm good i think that ideas are not i don't want to say cheap because nothing that is creative is cheap ideas are we don't need to modicoddle them so much no i think and people get very worried oh someone else's idea is similar to mine or they come up with an idea and they think i'll never come up with a better idea i have to this has to go perfectly because this is my this idea is so good but the thing about ideas is you can actually train your ability to come up with ideas as well and you yeah. can open yourself up to coming up with more ideas in my opinion i think there's just a mistrust there that happens a lot and we get so obsessed with it we get obsessed with being unique and different i completely i completely agree james even with someone who has a few issues when it comes to ideating just for my fiction mm. um i have issues with ideating your non- there, non-fiction create oh my God. ideas are like I, a I just haven't trained it hose. as much because i write books I really focus on my fiction novels. So like I'll focus for the year and then to restart up that ideation process, it just doesn't naturally happen. Mm. Whereas you are constantly getting new ideas for books as you write your novels. I have maybe over a hundred ideas for books and that's just in the last five years. I had to had zero ideas for books until I wrote my first book and now I've had over a hundred. I love that. And I just, I don't know. Just, you look really handsome. Thank you. It's cause I'm wearing green. It's my color. It's nice. Thank you so much. The, um, what is it? We always call it the RSS feed as a joke. RAS. RAS feed. The reticular activating system. Once you start expecting 
because ideas come from the most random bullshit places for me. You know, it's I read a completely unrelated nonfiction book and that gave me that gave me a world building idea for a science fiction mm. thing. Or I watched the news one day and some interesting thing was happening somewhere in the world that I don't know anything about. Yeah. It's these little connections that if you start looking out for them and you start thinking about what will make good drama or, or yeah. a good story, I think. You can just find it. I agree. Mm. So, yeah, the RAS system is a system in the brain that filters information. So if you train the RAS to find ideas, it, it gets easier and easier and easier. Like The easiest way to explain that is like if you're pregnant, you see a lot of pregnant women. If you you know drive a certain car, you'll often see that car on the road. Like mm. your RAS system has figured out that's what I want to look for. We need to teach and it. You I want to look for. Those cars are everywhere. Why are there so many cars? Yeah, but they're not actually not any more prevalent. And it's also things like why you see your angel numbers everywhere and like why whenever i look at the phone it's 11 11 make a wish mm-hmm. all right uh oh, underrated most underrated i think the most underrated thing it's in the first draft of something oh you think that the first drafts are underrated are underrated it's interesting what do you think i hate my first draft so no <laughs> all right well what's your underrated <laughs> i was gonna say the most underrated thing in fiction is just doing a tie i know we talk about all the time just doing a tiny bit of art yeah, I mean, that's regularly. seriously underrated. Just doing the tiniest amount regularly is the most underrated thing. And I think no matter how, no one believes you when you say it. But I, it is so important. I'm going to come back to my first draft thing and just fight for, for a bit. Okay. Everyone hates their first draft and they're so angry at it, blah, blah, blah. But you don't, yeah, like I hate my first drafts too, but it is so much fun allowing yourself to write crap and having ideas pour out on the page. It hardly makes any sense. And I think that if we just lent in, we could all enjoy it way I more. I understand. So you mean the process of writing a first draft oh is... Oh my un- God, I thought yes. you meant like the quality of the first draft was underrated. Oh, it's, no, it's I not. I do enjoy... Crap. I do enjoy writing the first yeah, draft. Yeah, I thought you did. It's I thought nice. it was a weird response. Yeah, no, no. I thought you meant like no, we should all love writing. our first drafts. No. That's the whole... That's the opposite of everything I believe. Okay, next. Interesting. How do you define success as a creative and what are some of the goals you have set for yourself? Mm. I am very successful right now. I love that. I feel so fulfilled. I feel so grateful. I love what I'm making. I love what I'm doing. I love that I make connection. I have goals for us as a business, for me as a writer, and some are tangible, some are intangible, but to me, I feel so successful and success is getting to make art. and getting to connect yeah what about you i agree i feel even though i've never sold a book i still feel incredibly successful as a writer i feel Mm. successful to still be doing this after starting it what five over five years ago now i think or five years i don't know what it's about four five years ago to have written three books feels like a huge accomplishment to me yeah huge amazing and i i would never regret that time no i could never regret that time that i spent doing that you know it's just oh what God. an amazing experience I mean, what it's an, been. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't regret writing Esther, my very first book that I ever wrote. Like, well, how could I ever regret that? It was yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's something about you that most people would be surprised to learn? And how does it relate to your creative work? Oh, do you have anything that comes to mind? Uh, I just, I think that people would really be shocked about how sporty I am. Yes, it's always surprising. You're like, such a I am huge fucking nerd. Extremely sporty for how nerdy I am, to the point where competitive sport I like, I love as just as much as I love books and video games and writing. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about watching. I'm talking about doing, doing the sport. The sport. I don't really care as much about watching. Yeah, sports. I mean, you love touch football more than you love me. Yeah, I love touch. Fo- I'd love touch football. I would if I had to give up books or touch, it would be really hard. Thought you were about to say touch or Amy. 
<laughs> no, I would obviously give up Amy. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I, if I had to give up the gym or books, it would be really hard. Hugely difficult. If I had to give up all the forms of exercise. And how does that books. relate to your creativity? I, well, I feel very connected physically. Like if I have to write physicality in books, I, I like that. Yeah. It gives me the energy and the, the fuel to to write, I think, in many ways. Like I think that when I'm not exercising, it's really hard to... They, they, they're intertwined. They're intertwined. In so, yeah, I think so many creatives, um, especially writers, actually... Um, miss out on a relationship with our body mm. because we think that we are so cerebral we're so up in our own head that we don't need to tend to this tool that we have when i think really that there is so much magic and creativity in moving our body and connecting with our body and i think it's such an important part of the imaginative and creative process like there's nowhere where i feel more imaginative than on um like a fast walk or like a slow run around the lake like but, i feel so alive and even then and i'm sure many of you will associate with this but probably people who especially people whose um art is more physical like mm. dancers and oh, yeah. people who have movement involved in their art but when i play touch football i feel like it's art what really? happens so many things that happen on that field are so it's flow. cool it's so cool like it's creative yeah to score a try you gotta you, gotta, you have to be really creative i like that i have literally no interest in competitive sports but i love to move my body um i don't like games Oh, that might surprise some people. Mm, I yeah. hate games. Everyone expects you to like games. And by games, Amy means especially board games. Like, I don't want to play Monopoly. No, never. And I never card, make me. And I don't want games. to play a card game. I don't want to play tennis with you. I don't want don't to go, do anything. Oh, but what about, I've got this really cool no, Kickstarter board I game. I fucking hate it. It's so good. It only goes for an hour. Amy will just I don't you. want to. I re- I, and I, I, I'm like, what is this story? Like, what's happened to me? Is something broken? I don't want to play your dumb game. It doesn't interest me. Can we please just sit, have like a cup of tea and talk? With the greatest respect to people who make board games. Honestly, that's such an art. I'm very proud of you. Amy hates But I really, really don't like what you do. (laughs) It's annoying to me because I really like board games. James loves games. Um, And it's, yeah, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. I just would, there's like literally a million billion things I'd rather do with you. Yeah. But you like video games, so. I like our video game. Yeah. The Witcher. Yeah, you like that you can have sex with people. Yeah, I do. I'm constantly making Gerald visit the brothel. Gerald. Gerald. Gerald, Gerald. as we call him. All right, did you have something else? Um, Okay, I asked it. Troll, the Instagram account, inspired to write. <laughs> and it said, I'm sorry, but it would not be appropriate to troll someone's Instagram account. Agreed, bot. As an AI language model, I'm, pre-pro- I'm programmed to provide helpful and positive responses. If you have any other questions oh or God. requests, I'll be happy to assist you. But didn't want to drag I say, me. Please. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, but I but cannot fulfill your request. Oh. Can you ask it what if, like, no, nah, fuck it. We're ask done it with anything. It. I don't you know. sure? You reckon it's done? Well, should we have a meta-analysis of what we just did? Yes. That was was interesting, right? I th- thought those questions were really good. I thought Bot did such a good job. Like, I'm, as some of those questions I've never been asked before. Does that scare you when Bot does a good job or does it excite you? It does both. Yeah. I am definitely more on the excitement side in terms of what AI and, you know, this kind of area of, of tech can do. I know that there are a lot of artists who are very afraid of being usurped, of being taken over. Um, and you know some of this stuff has already begun to happen there's definitely a lot of questions that we have to answer we we have to answer them yeah. you know in these coming years but I mean, I'm, I'm also excited I see the art in this and I see the genius and I see the magic in this as well I think 
two things I want to say. One is absolutely, I think I don't, unfortunately I don't trust open AI. I don't trust the big tech corporations to do the right thing here. So I think no. that I mean, that's a scary I really thing, hope right? the government legislates quickly, especially around things like artists who know for a fact that their work is getting, is being used to train these models yeah. should be compensated. Yeah, of course. They should be compensated. Like anyone whose work was involved in making this, which is now a multi-billion dollar corporation, has to be, I think we valued at $10 billion the other day. Um, there sh- Legally, there must be some way to compensate people whose art has been stolen without their permission, basically. Yeah. So when like these AI portraits that were such a fad for a second there, mm. like are they taking, they're looking at other people's art, learning how art Correct. is made. Okay, yeah, so that's fucked yeah. up. And those artists are not getting yeah, any They're, not, they're teaching or, something and not getting the payment Exactly, so yeah. these people have put in the hours to make their work and then their work's just getting scraped yeah. and fed into the model. Yeah, yeah, so we really need to look up. at that. Or for example, there's a controversy at the moment about uh, audiobook narrators who voices have been used essentially to narrate apple's got automatic audiobooks on Stop. so it's a conglomerate of people's voices you know what this is such a this is such a difficult conversation mm. it's so nuanced and so scary that really freaks me out like it's just really, let someone really fucking shit. speak like let yeah. let us hear it from from an actor and author i mean the other side of it is often it gets used on books that couldn't afford, couldn't afford to it. narration mm, that's really interesting. so it is so to from our perspective by, because we pay for an audiobook, we basically really damage our ability to be profitable from Amy's fiction. Yes. It costs us about $7,000. Yeah. And so we have to make $7,000 just for the audiobook. It's the, most ex- it's the most expensive part of the whole thing. It's why you won't see a we lot of We basically do it as a marketing thing. Yeah. Because we, and luckily we have other streams from the business that we can afford to. It, it would be completely out of the realm of possibility for most indie authors to do an audiobook. Yeah. Because yeah, you're so just that's really ruining your chance. And like, there's going to be so many ways that this, these kind of systems can support artists. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the ethical thing to do would be you have to pay a royalty oh to whoever God, was in that, who was ever used, was it used to train that model? I, I mean, the, the reason why I would be scared is we've just finished, or oh, I haven't quite finished actually reading Focus by Johan, Johan. Sorry, that's wrong. It costs us four thousand dollars to do an audiobook. Seven thousand was total production. But anyway, sorry, I just wanted to be transparent there. Thank you. Um, Focus by Johan who? Hari. Hari. Um, and he speaks a lot about what the tech companies have done and like how they're you know these apps. I mean, I knew it, but I just like it felt really alarming. Like these companies are just built on really terrible, terrible motivations. And so if we have, you know, the same companies building these spaces or companies like them, like then, yeah, it's really fucking scary. Yeah. And to be clear, I think, um, who is it? OpenAI has a massive tech company investing in it. Is it? I think it's Google or... That's not good. Um, Microsoft? Yeah, it's Microsoft. So I don't know much about Microsoft. Well, Microsoft are often considered one of the better... For surveillance, for surveillance capitalism, but they're still obviously not the greatest. Yeah, I mean, it's not cool. Mm. What's something that you know Johan talks about is how you know Gmail, you, they'll they read your emails, they'll read all of them, and how they want to use the way that you write emails, especially your positive affect emails, and use AI to essentially adopt your tone of speaking and make ads within your tone of voice, so that you can. Um, be reading an ad that's essentially written by you um, and it feels really familiar and it feels really good and that's just because they've scammed your emails and now they're trying to use your words your writing to manipulate you into buying stuff 
So, and, and also just to be transparent about OpenAI, Andreessen Horowitz also are investors. They're a really big, they basically were one of the foundational surveillance capitalist, venture capitalist firms. So they one of the people who, one of the firms that funded surveillance capitalism That's of really, the type that you see really scary, on Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, etc. Andreessen Horowitz funded that model essentially. So they are a big investor. Uh, Microsoft, obviously, are an investor. Peter Thiel is a big investor. Elon Musk is a big investor. These are all people who are really embedded in surveillance capitalism um, generally and neoliberalism generally. So the chances of them doing the right thing, doing the right thing are low, which is why we probably need to regulate. Well, how come it's, it's very stressful to yes. me? Yes. Like, I've gone from being so positive in a second ago. It doesn't mean it can't happen, though, because, you of know, course. I mean, OpenAI is its own company. Mm. Some of these people probably sit on the board, but it is its own company and it has been, it's open source and free at the moment. So. It's interesting. I mean, you can pay. For, you can pay for a premium tier. Okay. Um, but I. I mean, they they can't advertise to us, so I guess it's going to have to be a different business model. Well, they could sell their AI to advertisers, or like... yes, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Look, there's lots to Mindful. lots to worry about, but also there's much to be excited about, and you know, we've got a good podcast out of it. I mean, the thing that excites me about AI is that it can it take some of the more boring jobs. That, uh, off us yeah and that's super important so that artists can make art rather yes. than having to do work that can be done by ai yeah but i don't know interested to hear your thoughts actually yeah really interested to hear your thoughts um, um thanks for coming along with us guys on this lovely rambly beautiful podcast um look 40 minutes that's pretty good for us yeah, it is good. on a friday arvo huh. Hello. beautiful day outside other things to do yeah we did really well mm. all right mm. um don't forget to enroll uh, if you have not yet enrolled in the art of making money, it is both me and James who are going to be taking this class. I really, really don't want you to miss out. If you want to make money with your art, please go have a look, um, read what we're going to be offering. I think it's a really, really important um, intensive. And if you are struggling at the moment, if you are a student, if you are a single parent, like if you, any myriad reasons that you might be struggling financially at the moment, please just ask for help from us. There's a form on our website under the financial hardship policy in the footer. Just fill out the form. Really yeah. easy. There's Done. also a payment plan option if that yes, helps. Yes, there's a payment plan option. So let us know. Okay, babies. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Mwah.